you guys can all just remain standing. <clears throat> Go ahead and find your seats and stand right above them. You can even hover a little bit, okay? <laughs> They're not on them. <laughs> of course, I always say pew jumpers are the ones that change the world, so you're good. Um, well, I'm going to pray for you, and our offering is going to come around during our next song. If you're a visitor, don't feel any obligation to give to that, but what we would love you to do is look under the seat in front of you. There's a little card, and if uh, you want to have any questions answered or anything like that, we'll reach out to you, fill out that card, put it in the offering as it comes around. Let's pray. God, uh, we're here to worship you this morning. You're the king of kings. You're the king above all kings. I pray that that would give comfort, Father, this morning. Um, Father, that, that would excite us that we serve the King of Kings and that we can't lose. Um, you are the everlasting God, Father, and you never change from yesterday, today, and forever. Uh, thank you for Jesus, and I pray, God, that as we continue in worship now, you just find us giving as cheerful givers. Father, we need you and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. God, we thank you that we can come this morning into your presence without fear because of the work of the Lord Jesus on the cross. You are the creator of all things. You've created us. You've given us breath. We turned our back on you. You redeemed us. You loved us. Thank you, our Father, for being our Father in spite of all that we've done to you, and thank you that we can be here this morning without fear in your very presence, lifting up our hands in worship to you. And we would do so. We ask that you would bless your word as we open it today too, and, and just give us ears to hear what your spirit wants to say to us this morning. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. You can have a seat. Well, good morning. Good to see everybody here this morning. How are we doing on New Year's resolutions? Anybody still on it? Saw a couple. You guys, you can do a seminar on long-term commitments. That's pretty good to get all the way to January 8th, I think. I don't know what that says about me. But this morning, uh, we're going to start out. We have Lucas and Lois Richard with us. And they're going to give a presentation afterwards, and we'll have a potluck lunch together so you can hear more details. But we want to bring them forward now and just hear a little bit about them in case you don't get an opportunity to stick around. So I didn't notice where Lucas and Lois are sitting. Um, you scared me. <laughs> Interviews are no fun when, when it's only one person. <laughs> So full disclosure, um, we did give them the questions beforehand. So if they seem uh, unusually prepared, we weren't, we were, we were cheating. I'm going to go ahead and sit down. You good? It's good to see you and good to have you here it's with us this here. morning. Uh, good. I think the last time we saw you, you were either in Ireland or on your way to Ireland. So maybe you can just kind of give us a quick recap on what's happened between then and now because you're you're not in Ireland and I don't see Ireland on the on the map up there. <laughs> All right. 
right, well, uh, thank you guys very much. It's, it's really a pleasure to be uh, back here and visiting with you all. Um, I know that, uh, that a lot of you have prayed for us, have encouraged us, supported us, and, uh, and we're, we're not worthy of that. And it, it really is uh, just a demonstration of the love of God and His grace, and thank you for that. Um, so we were in Ireland uh, uh, for about six months after we got married. I was there for about four years. And uh, six months into being in Ireland, um, my visa came up for renewal. Um, and I knew that, that the Irish government had put um, a restriction or regulations on missionaries and that three years was a cap. And so when I came up to this visa renewal, we knew that the Lord was going to have to miraculously overcome or we were going to be out of Ireland. And so we applied, and on my birthday, December 8th, got a, uh, a response from the Irish immigration that my visa had been denied. Um, we appealed to the Department of Justice, and they again affirmed that uh, we had to leave by January 20th, I believe. And so we took it from the Lord. We believe that God is sovereign. And so that was from Him. We came back and we said we'd take a couple of years just to seek the Lord and, and um, seek his face and know what he wanted to do uh, with us and and the Lord made it pretty clear to us that Liberia where I've served in the past was to be where we're going and so we responded to that call okay very good so I, I should mention too I, I didn't do proper introductions but Lois grew up in this church and if you know Mark uh, Klein that's her brother and and Paul and Mary are her parents so we we have a, a special connection to Lois and and we like to bring Lucas back to grill him every now and then to make sure he's taking good care of her So she's still smiling. So we'll let her keep Let you keep her. So you mentioned Liberia is kind of where you're headed. What's what's your focus there? Well, I think I think our, our vision can be summed up in um, three three simple words and that is training indigenous missionaries um, we, we believe very sincerely that uh, the, the, the Great Commission doesn't stop at the preaching of the gospel, but it continues with uh, making disciples of all the nations. And, um, and so what, what our desire is is that we'll um, hopefully be used to the Lord to plant a, a church that will be used for making disciples um, and that those disciples can go and make disciples. Second uh, Timothy 2.2, 2, things you've heard and learned from me, commit to faithful men who can teach others also. So our, our hope is that, um, that we'll see disciples raised up who can go out into their own country, reach out to their own people, and be, as we call it, indigenous missionaries. Good. So we look forward to hearing from you at lunch. What are some of the highlights for those that might not be able to stay? Oh, sorry. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm very bad at asking questions. No, so. good. <laughs> <It's okay. laughs> people look at me like, was that a question? <laughs> Well, um, if, if you guys are interested, uh, again, as he mentioned, after the main meeting at lunch, uh, I'm going to show some pictures and, and kind of go into a little bit of detail about what we'll be doing, Lord willing, in Liberia. And um, if you would like to uh, get our prayer letters, our updates, um, you could see Lois. She's got a, a sign-up sheet. You can give your name, email address, um, address. And also, we have some prayer cards. Um, if nothing else, if, if you would take a prayer card and, and uh, just remember to pray for us um, as we head to Liberia, we'd appreciate that. Okay, very good. Well, we'll pray for you right now a minute. Father, we give thanks for Lucas and Lois, and we just ask that you would bless their uh, ministry as they head towards Liberia and 
go through the planning phases of that. And we just thank you again that we can have them here with us this morning. We ask your blessing now on your word as we open it. Bless it to our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Okay, well, we're starting a new series today, and the series is uh, on the book of First Peter. The, the title of it is Resident Aliens. We'll get into that in a little bit detail this morning, but I wanted to uh, introduce the subject this morning, and then we will cover just the first two verses. And that doesn't sound like a tall order, but as I read verse 2 of First Peter, it, it seemed a little bit... Uh, overwhelming to try and fit it all in, but we're going to do our best this morning. Um, the first thing, or not the first thing, one of the first things I did after I read through the book of First Peter a couple times is I went online, and I don't know if you guys are familiar with this word cloud concept, but basically I, I went online, found a word cloud app, app, and I pasted in the whole book of First Peter, and I clicked generate cloud, and, and what that does is it counts up all the occurrences of every word in the book, and I took out words like to and uh and and, um, and it makes the most common occurring words the biggest on the picture. So as you look at that cloud, what's Peter about? God. God's right in the middle of it. And that's appropriate, right? How great is our God? We were just seeing that. So what, is, what are some of the other things that kind of jump out at you that you might or might not expect sovereign. Somebody saw sovereign. What are some of the, the bigger words in there? Because all of them are on there. Suffer. Suffer. Yeah, that's a, that's a big word in there, and that's a significant word. We'll talk about that this morning. Yeah. What else? I'm sorry? Glory. glory. Yes, there is glory, too, and that's a... That's an important part of what Peter presents. Christ. Christ. The, and Peter knew Christ, right? He, he worked with him for three years. Anything else? Some other ones I saw in there, there, there's that word live and that word good. And Peter gets, gets into how we live in this world. And so I, I found a, a pretty good outline and I adapted it to my style here. And so here's the outline of the book of First Peter. Across the top, I put a new identity, and I just want to jump right into verse 3 of First Peter. If you have your Bibles, you can open there. Um, verse 3 said, blessed, says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So some of our big words are showing up right away, aren't they? According to his great mercy, he caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. So that's, that's got a lot of... Uh, big concepts in it, but I wanted to call out that he caused us to be born again. And we, we use that expression, our identity in Christ, quite a bit, because it's an important expression. But 
God, through Jesus, has caused us to be born again. And so it's not just a new way of thinking about ourselves. It's a new way that God thinks about ourselves. It's a new life that he's given to us. We are born again, and so we have this new identity. And as Peter starts from that point, he goes forward and he says, there's a change in your behavior that goes with that identity. You are called to be holy. You're called saints, which one, one um, definition of that would be a holy one, a set-apart one of God. A saint is called to be holy. So our behavior, Peter talks about our behavior to put away certain bad behaviors and do certain good behaviors. So that's kind of in the early parts of Peter. He talks about a change in our behavior. He talks about our relationships. And he spends quite a bit of time on relationships and simple things like our relationship to the government. He talks about the emperor in his case. He lived under uh, the Roman government. He talks about relationships at work. He talks about relationships in our family, husbands, wives. He talks about relationships at church. He tells us to love the brotherhood. And he talks about our relationship with those that are against us, the antagonists in our life, people that might persecute us because we're disciples of Jesus. And so Peter goes over that, and he talks about how our relationship with Jesus, that new identity we have, changes those relationships we have with other people. And then the last major uh, subject in Peter that we're going to kind of give this overview on this morning is a better outlook. So we can have a better outlook because what, you know, those verses that we read there talk about a new hope. And so as believers in Jesus, those that have accepted his work of salvation, God has called us to an inheritance, an eternal inheritance in Jesus. And so when we look at the things that are going on in this world and the things that are going on in our own lives, we can look to Jesus we have the hope. We know what our future is. We know the future is bright. And we can have a better outlook on sufferings. And we can realize that those trials and those difficulties are really um, opportunities. You know, we use that word at work sometimes a little bit sarcastically when somebody comes up and says, you know, maybe their manager comes up to him and says, I, I have something uh, that I'd like you to do. And everybody chimes in and says, oh, it's an opportunity. You know, basically, it's a euphemism for something you, that nobody else wanted to do. But if you do a really good job of it, uh, I really appreciate that. So really, though, our sufferings are an opportunity because Peter talks about them as a way that our faith gets tested. We believe in this future hope, right? And if we believe in this future hope, then what's going on down here? is not as significant because our hope is eternal and the circumstances we're in today are not and we can bring glory to God in those difficult times so that's the outline of first Peter and you can you can I would encourage you all to to read through it yourselves on your own as we prepare as we go through the the chapters one by one um, I want to talk just a little bit also about Peter Peter himself, because he's really very qualified to write about these things. You know, Peter, 
we know about Peter because he was a disciple of Jesus. He wasn't always a disciple of Jesus. He was a fisherman, and this is a fishing net, in case you couldn't tell. Um, wouldn't catch much in the way of fish. The fish that it's small enough to catch would probably go through the loop. But Peter had a real fishing net, and he was out using it one day. And he was with his brother and with some others, and Jesus came up and said, follow me. And there's a really remarkable thing about Peter. He just set aside his net. He left his boat, left off all of his fishing equipment, and he followed Jesus. That's, you know, if you put yourself in that circumstance with Peter, or, you know, think of his wife maybe, and, and Peter comes home from work with no fish, he says, I've, I've got a new occupation I'm following Jesus. Who's Jesus? Well, he's this man that came up to me and told me to follow him. Well, so Peter set aside everything to follow Jesus. But, you know, he had expectations of what this was going to be like because he believed that Jesus was the Messiah. He was the Christ. He was the sent one of God that was talked about in the Old Testament. And so he was expecting that a king was going to come. And his nation of Israel was under a lot of oppression and had been for a long time. And they hadn't had prophecies come their direction for 400 years. It was a dark, dark time in Israel, but they had this hope. And so Peter's hope was in Jesus. And he had a little bit different expectation than the reality of it turned out. Because we find out that somewhere, and maybe, maybe he always had this, but... I don't know if it was after he set down his fishing net, but at some point, he took up a sword. He, he got his concealed carry permit, I guess. <laughs> you know, and so Peter started bringing a sword with him at some point. I don't know if it was right away. Maybe he always, maybe he always carried a sword up to that point, but we find out later that he had a sword. And Peter had this expectation, and he even made the commitment to Jesus that if I have to, I'll die to make sure you get this place to be king over all things. And there's a, a little incident, a story in Matthew that's told to us, and I'm just going to read this to you. Um, this is when, you know, Jesus is in, in the middle of his ministry, and you can read along on the screen there. It says, from then on, Jesus began to tell his disciples plainly, that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem and that he would suffer many terrible things at the hands of the elders, the leading priests, the teachers of religious laws. He would be killed, but on the third day he would be raised from the dead. So Jesus is telling his disciples this, and sometimes we think they didn't understand, but Peter understood, right? He knew exactly what Jesus was saying. Look at what he, what he said. He said, uh, Peter took him aside and began to reprimand him for praying, for saying such things. Heaven forbid, Lord, he said, this will never happen to you. This is a new paradigm coming into Peter's vision here. This Messiah that he left everything to follow is now telling him, I'm going to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to go suffer. I'm going to die. I'm going to be brutalized. And Peter's like, no, this is not happening to you. I've got my sword. And I'm going to die for you if I need to, to keep this from happening. 
But Jesus turned to Peter and said, get away from me, Satan. And that, that's kind of harsh, but you know, if Jesus had hid behind Peter's sword, we wouldn't be here this morning, right? Because that going to Jerusalem, suffering and dying was something that was necessary for our salvation. And so Jesus says, you're a dangerous trap to me, Peter. You're seeing things merely from a human point of view, not God's. So it's, you know, it's easy sometimes when in a Bible study or from our perspective where we sit to, to look back at Peter and the other disciples and say, they just didn't understand, did they? They didn't understand what Jesus was doing. They wanted a reigning king. They wanted a, a king on the throne, and that just wasn't going to happen yet. But, you know, I've had uh, conversations like this with Jesus myself. Like, Lord, this isn't right. This suffering part, I don't like it. And Jesus has to say to me, you're seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. You know, I, I think of a family um, that was pretty close to me. And 21 years ago, tragedy hit them. Three little kids, a pregnant mom, and one morning, two days before Christmas, tragedy hit them. Their, their father was instantly killed and taken out of their life. And so, you know, as a good Christian, I sit there and I look and I say, what, what's going to happen? What's it, God's going to bless this situation. Some, some blessing's going to come out of it. And I've waited 21 years for that. I haven't seen any blessing from it. I've seen kids turn away from God because of it. And we don't always see things from God's perspective. I'm sorry. Um, because it's real. And it's real to every one of you. You can think of situations that you might be going through now or you have gone through, or if you haven't, you will go through, where you don't see how God sees. You see how you see in the middle of these circumstances. And so... Jesus tells Peter, you can't look at it that way. You can't look at it that way. God has a heavenly perspective. He has a long-term plan, and this is what it is. This is what it is. And we can trust our God in that way. So Peter, he still didn't, he still wasn't signing on to that, you know. And, and there was a time when Jesus was being arrested to be taken to a multitude of trials that were shams. And my understanding is every single trial that Jesus went through was illegal according to the law under which it took place. The Jewish trials, the Roman trials, they were illegal. They had a predisposed outcome. It, it wasn't right. It was wicked, but God was in it. God saw that, and he was working in it, but Peter took out his sword to prevent this arrest and he started to use it just like he said he would and jesus looks at him and says put it away peter and he did but it brought a confusion into peter <clears throat> i think we don't really read that specifically but when i look at his actions i think it brought a confusion into him he started following jesus a long ways off and he he denied that he knew him and i think he was going through this process of figuring out what what does this mean because this isn't what i signed up for but you know it even came to a point where he went back 
he saw Jesus raised from the dead, but he still, he went back, and he got his fishing net out again. He said, I'm going to go fishing. Have you ever been there where you said this, is, this uh, following Jesus thing? I'm going, I'm not sure that's working out. I'm going to go back the way it was before. But you know what? Jesus had his eye on Peter, and he came to Peter when he was in the middle of that fishing trip, and he brought him back. And again, Peter left his nets. He left his boat, and he followed Jesus. And we have this book of 1 Peter written by that man that shows that he really got a hold of that lesson. He got a hold of the lesson that I can suffer, that I can be mistreated, that I can have, you know, that people do bad things to me for bad reasons, and I still have a hope because I know Jesus. And that theme comes out in the book of 1 Peter, and that's why that word suffer showed up pretty big when you looked at that word cloud because Peter had learned that lesson. And there's, there's a number of things from Peter's life that show up in the book of Peter. Um, and every time I, I look at it from that angle, I see something new. But that was, that was a, a big one to me, that I see Peter truly learned that lesson. I can suffer. Things can go terrible. And Peter, things did go terrible. He died on a cross too. And he didn't want to die like Jesus. He didn't, according to tradition, Peter said, I'm not worthy to die like Jesus. Hang me upside down. And they did. That's my understanding from the traditions of history that Peter died on a cross upside down. But he wrote this book and he talks about the sufferings of Christ and that's not the end of it. He talks about the glory that's going to follow. So we have that hope today and Peter, Peter lays that out to us. Um, and so... That's, that's kind of one overview of Peter. I, I, I think it would be fun to do uh, several things from his life and how they relate to this. But how does this book of Peter fit into this title and this slide that we have here? Um, and, and thanks, Ryan, for putting this together for us, helping Mike out with some graphic design, too. We got some good graphic designers. Resident aliens. So Peter, as I said, he talks about our relationships. He talks about how do we interact with the people in this world. So Peter, when he became a follower of Jesus, for the long term, he didn't go join a commune. He didn't go join a bunch of people that were Christians that didn't have anything to do with the people around him. Yet, he talks about, in his letter, he talks about these people as exiles. He talks about them as, you know, you weren't a nation before, but now you're a nation. You're a holy priesthood. You're a royal priesthood. You're a people of God. And so they're unique. They're different. They don't belong here anymore. They're not living for this world. I say they, but I mean we, us, those of us who have put our trust in Jesus. We don't belong here anymore, right? We're living for a future, but we're living here. And as the slide shows, you know, they're, they're the, I believe the red people are supposed to uh, represent believers, and so there we are, side by side with people in this world, showing the hope of God that we have. So when bad things happen to us, they're supposed to see that we have hope. 
right? And so Peter talks about that in later chapters. He says, when they see the hope that you have, they're going to ask you, what's the reason for your hope? And you better be ready to give them an answer, right? And give it graciously to them so they can understand and appreciate and value what you have to offer. So Peter's expectation is that we, as disciples of Jesus, are living among the people of this world, but we're living for another world. So in that sense, we're resident, but we're aliens because we are motivated by something different. So that's what Peter is teaching us in this epistle. So let's go ahead and uh, read verses 1 and 2 of 1 Peter chapter chapter 1. It says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father and the sanctification of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and for sprinkling with his blood, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. So I have about five to ten minutes to, to cover that. And so I'm going to have to skim through this. And, and it's probably, hopefully it's going to generate some questions in your mind as we go through it. And you can study that for yourself. Maybe you can talk to other believers about what, what we cover here. But there's some, some points in this verse that I just want to focus on. And I underline the words here. Elect, foreknowledge of God, sanctification of the Spirit, obedience to Jesus Christ and sprinkling with his blood. So some big words, maybe a little theological. Um, but really, I, I would like to, to lay these out, break these down as God's work with us. God's work with us. And so he started out, he, he mentioned the for, according to the foreknowledge of God. And that means what it says. It means God knew you in the past. God knew you before you knew you. <laughs> that's pretty cool. God knew you were going to be born. He knew, he, he knew your DNA. He knew what you were going to do. All those things. So that's, that's pretty cool, but it's, it could be a little scary to think about too. But God, before he even created the world, he knew you. And then the next one is cool. It says, according to the election of God. And so just in a summary, I would just say, even though God knew you, he chose you. And this concept gets a little, you know, sticky for us sometime. We won't go into the whole debate about it. But election, we, we're familiar with elections. We, in Iowa, we, we have to hear about them almost all the time. But it, it's a matter of making a choice. And God made a choice to choose you. And that, maybe I'm going to overuse this word this morning, but that's pretty cool. Because if you tie that with the word before it, he knew you before you knew you. He knew everything you were going to do. He knew, he knows what you did last night. He knows what you're going to do this week. And knowing all of that, he still chose you. He still chose you. So it's easy and it's natural for us. We, we all mess up. We sin. We make bad choices. We make mistakes. We do dumb things. Um, we do wrong things. And it's easy for us when we do that to get this mindset that God has got to be sick and tired of me now. And God's up there saying, you know what? 
I knew you were going to do that. I knew you were going to do that. I knew that when I chose you. So, so don't get hung up on that because that's not how you stand with me because of, of what you did. So take comfort in that. God knew you before you did. He chose you as well. And then there's this big um, word, sanctification of the Spirit. And really, I just want to kind of boil that down into this statement that God's Spirit moves you toward God. And there's a couple ways I want to talk about that. One is he, he wants to move you from, as Peter says, you know, you were not a people, but now you are a people. He wants to move you from not having a relationship to having a relationship with him. God wants a relationship with you. And he's using his spirit to do that, to draw you into that, to draw you into behavior that's consistent with people that are born again, with people that he's called holy. And so God is doing that by his spirit. So two things there, and I think I kind of pushed them together, but one is he wants a relationship with you. Number two, this sanctification of the spirit is also a change in your behavior. You know how we talked about it? in the beginning that we are holy god calls us holy we should act in a holy way so god's changing our behavior as well in that so then this this next one is the obedience to jesus christ and this is where we come in to the story because you know i think that part of the working of god's spirit in your life is the fact that you're listening this morning or maybe later somebody will be listening on the podcast. You're hearing this message of God's grace and God's goodness and God's gospel through Jesus Christ. And so he is working in your life to give you opportunities to hear what he's calling you to. And so there is a need in each of us to respond in obedience. So I'm just going to read, um, jump over to 1 John 3. You don't need to turn there, but I will. Um, 1 John 3 and verse 23. And the, the commandments of Jesus are, are talked about many places, but I, I just want to read this one to you. It says, And this is his commandment, that we believe in the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he has commanded us. God wants you to believe in his Son, Jesus Christ. As we learn in Romans 10, it says, If if you believe, this, this is the basic first memory verse I ever learned, and now my mind's gone blank. <laughs> if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you'll be saved, right? And, and so God has made a way of salvation through Jesus for you. And so he's calling you to that. He wants you to come to him. He wants you to believe that what Jesus did, he did for you. And he did it completely. So God raised him from the dead. And he wants you to confess him as Lord. To say, Jesus, take over my life. You are Lord. And so then, as that takes place, and we respond to God's call to us and his love to us in obedience to that invitation to come to Jesus and put our trust in Jesus for our salvation, it says that happens to the sprinkling of his blood. And this, 
you know, it sounds kind of gross, right? The sprinkling of the blood of Jesus, but it, that picture was kind of vividly given in the Old Testament in the offerings. They would kill people, sinned, they brought an animal, they would kill the animal, and they would sprinkle the blood on the person that sinned, and it would give them a covering before God. And God would say, I'll take the death of that animal instead of the death of you. And that was not really something that satisfied God's heart. It was something that pointed forward to Jesus and the cross where Jesus would die. And so now, because Jesus has died, the sprinkling of the blood covers our sins. So the blood that Jesus shed on the cross was an answer to God to say, you know, there's this principle that says, without the shedding of blood, there's no redemption from sin. There's no payment for sin. And so Jesus said, I will shed blood. I'll shed my blood. Jesus hadn't done any sin. He had no sin. There was no sin in him. So he had, you might say, holy blood that could be offered to God. And it did. It satisfied him. And so if you take that step of obedience this morning, and you can do it right in your chair, just say in your heart to God, because he hears the thoughts of your heart Say to him, God, I accept what Jesus did for me on the cross. And I believe it was complete. I believe you raised him from the dead. And I, I want to confess Jesus as Lord. And then find somebody and do that afterwards. Confess, Jesus is Lord. I, I accepted his offering for my sins this morning. And so that will bring us into a new place. So I'm just going to read verse 18 of chapter 1 of 1 Peter. It says, knowing that you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. You know, some of those offerings that the Jews were told to make, they had to take the lamb that they were going to offer and they had to set it aside and they had to watch it for a certain period of time to make sure there was nothing wrong with it. Jesus did that. He lived 33 years in this world, and he got tempted by everything that you and I get tempted with. And he didn't sin, not even once. He was holy. He was that lamb without blemish. And so when he laid down his life as an offering and a sacrifice for sin, God accepted it. Will you accept it this morning? I pray that everyone in this room has made that conscious decision. I'm going to accept the work that Jesus did on the cross for me. We're going to remember that work here in a moment. The band can come back up and, and get ready, but we're going to take the bread, which is a symbol of the body of Jesus on the cross, and the juice, which is a symbol of his blood that he shed for us to make an atonement for our sins. And so this morning... If you have put your trust in Jesus as your Savior, you have accepted his sacrifice to you, come forward and take that and be reminded of the great price that Jesus paid to bring you to God. And that new identity as a child of God, and that new relationship that you have with God with no fear, and take it and give thanks in your heart for it. We'll give thanks for it together now too. Lord Jesus, thank you for your body given for us, for your blood shed for us.
Thank you for the working of your spirit that drew us to Jesus. I just pray that if there's anyone here that hasn't acted in obedience to come to Jesus, acknowledging his sacrifice for their sins, that they would do that this morning and then come forward and participate with us in remembering you, Lord Jesus, in your death. Thank you that you knew us before we were born, and yet you chose us. What love, Father, what love, and we just give thanks for it, and we just ask your blessing on our worship. In Jesus' name. are blameless. We're chosen. We're called. The Spirit of God has worked in our lives to bring us to God. I hope that each one of you has taken that step of obedience and faith to Jesus. And, you know, as, as we go into this week, there's going to be hard things. We have hope. We have a hope. And remember your hope. Remember who you are in Jesus. And let your hope shine in front of everyone so that they can ask the reason of the hope that's in you. You can have a seat and we'll just close in prayer. Father, thank you for knowing us before the world was even formed, for choosing us, for drawing us to yourself. Thank you for bringing us into your family. I thank you for our family that's here this morning, and I just pray for your blessing on every individual here as we go through this life and we face the struggles. I pray that if there's, again, if there's anyone here who hasn't taken that step of obedience to Jesus, that they would do that today so that they can go through this life with a new identity as well, so that they can know that you knew them, that you chose them, that you love them, and that you're working from a heavenly viewpoint with a plan for their lives so that each one of us can have that hope and that joy and that that would just show out in the way that we interact with our neighbors on our street. We just pray for um, those around us that have not taken that step of obedience to Jesus. Perhaps they haven't heard the gospel. Give us the compassion and the boldness to share it with them, we pray. And we just commit ourselves to you now for this day. We pray for your blessing on our, our time with Lucas and Lois, too. And, and again, just bless their ministry, we pray, for the furtherance of your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. So um, Nick and Heather, can you guys come up? They would like to make an important announcement with regard to their ministry. Father, thank you for today. Father, we come to you right now. And we acknowledge your authority over us. You are my authority, and I humble myself before you. You are great. You are God, and I am not. Thank you, Jesus, that you cover us. You cover us with your blood. Thank you that you sent your spirit. Will you please fill this room? Thank you that your spirit gives us power, wisdom, and love. Protect us from the enemy. In Jesus' name, the most holy, powerful name we pray, amen. Amen. I want to tell you that we are very thankful 
for each and every single one of you. Nick and I have served here for over a decade, and we've had some ups and downs. We have learned so much. We have enjoyed it. This is my best friend, and I absolutely love serving with him. Love it. We have fun together. I have served here since I became, when, since I became a Jesus follower. When I was 16, I finally decided I'm following Jesus. And I've served here ever since then, and I've enjoyed it. And I've served with a lot of you through many different ministries, a lot of time with children. And some of you haven't yet started serving. So here's your kick. Let's serve. It's a new year. This church is a wonderful church for you to serve and to give your time to. When you serve, you are blessed. And I'm here to tell you, I have been so blessed. I have been so blessed by the years and the ministries, the people I have run across to, the people that have served with me, the people that we've served for. It has been quite a ride. And I'm so thankful for it. I'm so thankful for it. And I'm thankful for you. A lot of times in our lives, Nick and I evaluate, okay, how are we doing? How are we loving God? How are we loving people? We get one chance, we get one lifetime, we get one chance to do the best. How are we doing it? Do you remember when we moved from Ankeny to Urbandale? Some of you were here for, with us, with us for that journey. It was very hard. It was very hard on me, it was very hard on my children. But we did it, we felt God calling us to Urbandale. And we obeyed. It is so good to obey. Whatever God is calling you today, please obey. He is faithful. He is good. He has plans for us not to harm us, not to cause us fear. And he has the same plans for you, too. He wants you to live an abundant life here, this side of heaven. He wants you to love hard. He wants you to be kind. He wants you to have courage. He wants you to make of every opportunity, every opportunity. So, like Heather said, um, moving to Urbandale was a hard thing, um, and in God's grace, we moved on and got through it, and now we're very excited um, just about Urbandale and, and living here, but um, <clears throat> now God is asking us to really do another hard thing, and my father-in-law, he often says, when your cloud moves, you have to move with it, um, and God has moved our cloud. And so we're here to tell you today that I'm going to resign from Creekside. Um, God has made it clear to us that he is moving us on from Creekside. Here's the deal. We still have a dream to reach families and to reach the unchurched. Um, and we have a heart to do that in Urbandale. Um, you know, it was, it was tough to get this clarity and be like, really, God? You know, you moved us to Urbandale for one year. Um, but God has graciously given us an opportunity to plant a new church in Urbandale over the course of the next year. Um, so as much as it pains us to leave you guys, we are, we are really excited about what God has plans for us. But we're not only excited about what God has planned for us, because as Heather said, I mean, we, we love you guys. We want you to know that today, and we are excited for what he has planned for every single one of you. Because every week... I stand up here, and I look at all your faces. Some of you I avoid, but I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. Um, yeah, Bob. Um, but I, I, honestly, I look at your faces, and I know that God has super special things for you and that God has gifted each of you to serve his kingdom. And that's what this life is all about. When you are serving his kingdom, there is no better place to be. That is the abundant life that God calls you to. And so 
as much as it pains us to leave you, we are excited to walk in the plan that God has for us, right? And now it's, it's time for us to follow God's plan. We know that he's going to use us. We know that he's going to use you to build his kingdom. So we just want to say thank you to you for allowing us to serve here for the last 10 years. You've been very gracious um, to our quirks. Um, but we would just humbly ask, as we are going to be praying for you, that you would pray for us. Um, so thank you. Okay. <clears throat> now it's my turn, I guess. And I'm just going to read this. <laughs> this is a, um, a hard announcement for us to hear and to make. But <laughs> I'm sure as you get a chance over the next couple of months to talk to Nick and Heather, you'll agree that God has clearly spoken to them and is making a path clear. One step at a time for them, Nick will continue to serve at Creekside in January and February, and the elders want to assure you that while we have disappointment about Nick's departure, which will take place in March, God willing, we've seen them take a tremendous step of faith in this venture, and we've seen God's hand in confirming that by the way he's already provided direction for the next steps. They felt the call before they had knew what the call was to. Um, and that, that's a confirmation of God's will in this. We're genuinely excited. As elders, we're genuinely excited for the prospect of the expanded outreach with the gospel in our community of Urbandale that Nick and Heather will be planning. This isn't a competition. The Church of God is one body. Whether we're meeting in the same building or not, it's one body, and we're, we are excited. Let, let me just stay on script here. <laughs> Since we're confident God is leading them, we're confident of his love and provision for all of you and for all of us. We believe he's already leading someone else to come serve at Creekside. In the body of Christ, you don't replace people. Nick and Heather have a unique fingerprint and a unique ministry and a unique gifting that have blessed us tremendously over these last 10 years. The elders have spent considerable time reviewing where we are as a church where we believe the Lord is leading and have developed job description qualifications for a pastor position and we're working a plan accordingly. And we'll share more details of our plan in coming weeks. But for now, I'd like to ask a couple other elders to come up and, and we'll pray for Nick and Heather, for ourselves, and for another pastor that God is calling. There's a few prayer requests on, on the screen. For you to think about as uh, as you pray about this situation and we'll we'll send out a message later today with some of these too um, but let's just pray right now father thank you for nick and heather and i thank you for calling them to ministry thank you for their gifts and the fact that we've been blessed by them these last 10 years and we will continue to be blessed by them this Pray that you would be over them each step of the way, that as you've led in these first few steps, you would continue to lead, that they would have a clarity of vision for where you're taking them. I pray for Creekside. Pray that you would, would give us clarity of vision, that we would pursue you continuing to make disciples, to make converts, to make disciples of Jesus, to be disciples of Jesus that you, the light and truth of your word would go out from this place continually. I pray for the person that 
whose heart you're working in right now to lead here to Creekside to serve. Just give him your spirit and a, an obedient heart, we pray. Just thank you again and ask your blessing. In Jesus' name, amen. I'll just uh, add my prayer, too. Um, I just remember being part of a transition leadership team 10 years ago when we were going through some changes at that time and, and uh, needing some help, and, and we said, Let, let's give this guy a chance, and Nick stepped up and, and has played a big role in, in lead, being a youth leader and worship leader and, and pastor, teacher, and uh, we just want to express to the Lord our gratitude and thankfulness for you guys and your time here, and uh, we'll have more time to do that in the weeks ahead as well, but... Uh, Heavenly Father, we just thank you that in your sovereignty you brought Nick and Heather here. Uh, Heather, of course, grew up here. And we just thank you for their dedication to ministry and to the people here, their love and heart for you, and to see your kingdom grow. We just thank you for the time investment. They're pouring their gifts and, and lifetime and energy into youth group and uh, worship ministry and, and teaching, pastoral ministry, and just... Thank you for all these things, the Easter egg hunts over the years. Uh, what a blessing uh, they've been to us, and it is, a, it is sad uh, for us to lose them, but we know that in your sovereignty you work all things to your glory, and we know that you've called them to do a great thing, uh, to plant a church, to see uh, people come to Christ and families won to Christ for the kingdom of God, and we just thank you and praise you for that. Uh, and Lord, just help us as a church. Let us uh, look to you for guidance and help in the months ahead. We just do, uh, just do pray as Bob prayed that there's probably someone out there even now that you were preparing and shaping and putting a burden on their heart to perhaps come serve here and, and take up this role uh, of pastor, elder, and, and ministry. So we just commit them to you. We, we ask for your blessing on their family through this transition. Uh, we thank you for all their four kids, their, their exemplary family and marriage life, uh, their example of outreach and heart for people. And we just commit them into your hands now, in Jesus' name, amen. Uh, so feel free to you know, talk to Nick and Heather here. Um, we'll have a little transition as, for the potluck and also a presentation from Lucas and Lois on their ministry in Liberia. Uh, so we'd encourage you to stay for that if you're able to. So we'll have more, more to come in coming weeks. And uh, again, Nick and Heather, we, we appreciate you and um, look forward to seeing what God has in store for us and for you guys.